everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I think you guys are going to like this one. It's a little bit different. Um, I have invited the newly elected Thurston County Sheriff, Derek Sanders, up to Snohomish County just to have a, a conversation about anything and everything. There's nothing off the table. That's what these podcasts are pretty cool um, to use for. And so uh, welcome up to Snohomish County, Sheriff Sanders. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me, Adam. Thanks for uh, making the drive today. And yeah. I'll just, I'll warn the community. We both can talk. Um, this might be a longer <laughs> episode than we're used to in Snohomish County. But man, public safety is a topic everywhere that we go in the state of Washington. It just, yeah. it's not dying down. It's getting more and more and more heavy as far as the conversation goes. But anyway, I want to start with you a little bit on the personal side, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so newly elected, I know you were running a campaign last year. Yeah. Um, you got elected. Uh, what, what the heck is going on in Thurston County? A lot. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, my campaign was, was pretty straightforward, uh, improve staffing, improve transparency with our community, um, and reduce crime. And that caught on pretty quick. It was something that people could relate with. And uh, youth kept coming up in my campaign over and over. He's too young, you know, he's too inexperienced. Um, and the cool thing has just been like proving people wrong about yeah. that. Um, Cause I was dead set. I knew like in my heart that you can have someone take a young leadership role as long as they surround themselves with truly qualified people. And so um, the employees have bought into the system because they see, they saw all of my picks were internal um, and they saw those lieutenants and, and all three of my chiefs that I selected were lieutenants with the sheriff's office, which to me, I just found those leaders and they were young enough to still have the energy and be engaged, but they had that experience, you know, two decades worth of experience to help lead. So, so uh, you, you uh, can tell me to be quiet if you want. So uh, how old are you? I'm 29. How long you been in cop work? Uh, so, well, I started with as a CSO, like a little transport okay. unit with yeah. Lacey PD at 19, okay. um, and then spent two years there and then six years with Thurston County. So I've got seven years of commissioned experience. Yeah. So that's a very unique path. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love a lot of, oh, well, I did too. That's, <laughs> that's what we, we talked before yeah. and we have similar, they're not exactly the same, but similar. I definitely don't get the youth argument like you do. <laughs> um, I don't get that question very much because yeah. I'm an older guy. Um, yeah. That's okay. But uh, I came from the world of, uh, I went from graveyard patrol sergeant to, to this job yep. as a learning curve. Yeah. And you as well come from the patrol side of the house. Graveyard. And now you run a jail. I do. I did the same thing, yeah. never having worked in a jail. So it's been, Correct. well, we're three years in now, you're a few months in. So yeah. um, I really dove into the jail stuff, but it is, it's a complicated it is. Uh, thing to run a jail in 2023 in the state of Washington, let me tell you. Yeah. And it's, it's unique too, because the, the patrol side is what everyone sees. It's the mm -hmm. outward facing part of the department. And that's where I'm experienced is the patrol side. But you realize once you get elected, that's like that's like 15 percent of the actual sheriff's office. You know, the bulk of the work does happen in the jail. Yep. Um, that's where the most amount of the money and the budget is spent. Um, that's where the largest amount of employees are. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of learning to do. In the, what in made you run? Oh, man. Well, um, there's just a lot of internal issues that okay. I felt uh, at the sheriff's office. You know, I was a deputy working graveyard. Um, and there was just a number of things, right? I mean, we had a, a serious retention problem. Obviously, all the laws changed in Washington State. Yeah. That hit sheriff's offices harder than it hit cities because we get paid less. Um, we relied more on doing good police work. Uh, most of the sheriff's offices I know, they have um, less restrictive pursuit policies because we're out in the out in the middle of nowhere. We can chase more cars. That all went away. Um, and what I saw was was just a lack of response in that, right? Like. Um, some of the comments that were just made down through the chain of command were just, you know, it's not that bad, get over it, you know, things change. And, and we're like, listen, this isn't your, this isn't your old school back in the day, you know, one minor little change. Like 
the changes that occurred in 2021 were were landscape changes. I mean, they changed everything about the foundation of police work. Um, we had no answers to anything, and you know, to just hear that it's not that bad, <laughs> you know, that that lit a, uh, a little fire inside of me. And then we had 15 deputies leave in one year. Oh, wow. um, you know, and you're talking about a patrol division that's only got 59 fully staffed. So that's almost a third of your patrol division. And once again, a lack of response to that. So, um, you know, I actually had no intentions of running. I started reaching out to people. Hey, would you be interested in running? Oh, like, yeah. I don't even care if you win. Just challenge. Mm-hmm. I just want to challenge. I want to see some some competitive spirit. And I want to see that, that, that competition that breeds excellence. Oh, Give yeah. me something. Um, and everyone's like, I'm not doing it, but you should. And that's where I got, I, I reached out to my bureau chief, Carla Carter. I'm like, you are like an eccentric female. You're a strong leader. Run for sheriff. And she's like, okay. And two days later, she's like, I'm not doing it. I'm endorsing you. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I see how it is. Now I, I kind of get an idea oh, of why, wow. right? Like there's a lot of work that goes into it. But I had no intentions of running or winning. Um, even after I declared, it was just to, to bring some some conversation but the conversation caught on fire. Yeah. Be careful what you ask for. I yeah, guess. <laughs> I know. I've always wondered, you know, like they don't do any psychological testing for elected officials and they should probably start. That should probably be the first one because knowing what I know now, like you got to be crazy to volunteer. I, for yeah. This. We might be in trouble in the state of Washington <laughs> if we did that. But, I know. Or it could be better off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Be, it's tough or. to say. Um, okay. So public safety, you already mentioned a, a bunch. There's so many different angles we could go down, yeah. but let's just talk about public safety in the state of Washington. We're, we're kind of seeing, we just had an Everett police officer shot uh, yesterday, the day before. Um, he's going to make it, so that's good news, good news. But uh, that really, all day yesterday, I, w- I was driving around, I was out in the community, and just that sinking feeling, it's like, something's off, man. I mean, I've been doing this 27 years, man, and I've never seen anything like, whether it's the, the legislation that was passed, it's just the climate for public safety in the state of Washington. It, are you seeing the same thing in, in Thurston County? Oh, yeah, it's bad. Um you know, one of the things that when I took over, we, in the last three and a half months, we've had 10 SWAT callouts. That is like unprecedented. We average That's a lot. We average 10 a year. Yeah. And we just had 10 in three months. We had an, an active shootout between a suspect and our SWAT team. Um, the only thing that kept people safe was our armored vehicle. Um, wow. State Patrol had a, had a bear out there. They got shot at. And so we're just seeing like this escalation and, and we're not changing. We haven't changed our practices with our SWAT team. Like we're, we're still going through the same checklist, but people are just checking out at those automatic like SWAT mandatory callouts. And, and that's, that's scary to me because when you start checking those boxes and, you know, violent felon known to shoot at law enforcement, you know, committed a violent crime and you start going through like, we, we know where a lot of these incidents are going to end. So we've seen the increase in SWAT callouts. A lot of them are over drugs. Um, so we've seen the, the, the basic legalization of, of narcotics. Um, but what's, what's frustrating is it's kind of the same thing with marijuana. And I was totally a proponent of legalizing marijuana. But even though we legalized it, we're still seeing shootouts and killings over, over a, a narcotic, a drug that's legal. Um, and so that's the frustrating part is not seeing that relief there. And same thing with, with car chases. Um, we're seeing the, yeah. the impacts of that. And oh, I mean, we'll that's get to a, that. That's Trust a big me. topic. But yeah, just in general, I think the public safety thing is a huge topic. And, and even if the statistics don't come back for 2022 and show an explosion, I think that just the general sentiment is that people don't feel safe. I mean, I, I hear that everywhere I go. And so it'll be interesting to see the general sentiment is that things are getting worse and people don't feel safe. I'll be interested to see how the statistics align with that. So one of the things as elected sheriffs, um, people look to us. Mm-hmm. when they see a rise in violent crime. 
And uh, I mean, I think I have a decent answer for it because we're out there working our tails off yeah. under unprecedented times. Yeah. And we're still out there doing both answering 911 calls reactive. And we're pretty proactive up here. I've, yeah. I've tried to support that to the best best of my ability. Anyway, what what do you, are there any answers out there? What are the reasons? I mean, I, I'm assuming that you guys are working your tails off in Thurston County the same we are up here. Yeah. What, what is it? Uh, well, we've been, we've definitely been hammering it out. Um, I was a pretty proactive deputy. Yeah. Like, like that was my whole thing. Um, I wasn't, I, I liked the things that I could handle right then. Like I wanted to find the bank robber and yeah. then capture him and then close that case up um, immediately. So that was my kind of thing. So we had some leeway for us just because um, the prior administration had some more restrictive policies. So like I opened the door for DUI pursuits um, oh, for yeah. our deputies. And oddly enough, our DUI arrests have gone up exponentially and our traffic stops have gone up exponentially. Um, you know, it's not a secret. If you give the deputies tools to do their job, they'll use them and they'll go out and, and do that stuff. We just got to a point when I was running for sheriff, um, it was pretty common that if there was a break in time, deputies would just sit at the station and do nothing. Oh, like man. they just needed like a break from everything. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen very often, though, because we our minimum staffing. We've got seven deputies for 150,000 people um, working at any given time. That's our minimum staffing. So um, they're busy. I mean, they're getting their butt kicked every single night. And, you know, same thing in corrections, right? Like our corrections over time and our, our patrol over time are just through the roof. They're trying the best they can. And, and as a sheriff, I run a very active social media page, and I get a lot of messages like, you know, I called to report a vandalism report and got a call. I got a call back six hours later. And I'm like, the best thing I can do is try to explain to people, like, we have to prioritize the domestic violence, yep. the robberies, the shootings in the parks. I mean, just the last two weeks, I, 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 our detectives are tapped. There's, there is no extra room right now for all these things that are going on. Um, so we're just seeing a lot going on in Thurston County. And I'm so fortunate I get to, I get to inherit it, like, right at the beginning. So. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, what, three months in? Yeah, three months oh, in. Man. I mean, we've had everything. We've had fatal overdoses at the jail a sex offender house being installed in remote Thurston County, um, a legislative session that is like imperative to our operations. Um, we've had a two-year-old overdose on fentanyl that they got from their parents. Uh, we've had a robbery shooting, rolling shootout in our park. Like this is not normal for Thurston County. Yeah. Um, we are a property crime County historically. Yeah. And, and now we're, we, we just, we feel like we're trailing Pierce now that we're just looking up North and seeing how our future is going to be. And you know, Pierce County is the wild West. And, Wow. And we're, we're really trying to, to suppress that, but okay. man, we need some help. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned police pursuits. Yeah. That's kind of near mm. and dear to my heart. We're mm. kind of, um, I would say middle of the road up here is, is that I don't think we should chase anything and everything all day long, especially in a very populated County like yeah. Snohomish County. But like you mentioned on graveyard shift in the middle of the night, someone steals a car and we find it. I think the deputy sheriff should at least have the opportunity to hold that yeah. person accountable. But then the state got involved in our business. They kind of shut all that down. Um, what are you seeing in Thurston County? I've been pretty vocal with the community in Snohomish County about what, where I stand on this. I wish they just get out of our business. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I hope they tweak the law a little bit to where we have some more authority, but is that an issue in Thurston County? People driving away and stuff like that. Oh yeah. 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 Exponential increase in people fleeing traffic stops. There's a, there's a huge misconception too. And, and that's it's a narrative I've been trying to beat down since I got into office is that, you know, we'll just there's other ways to capture them. And I just want to bring every single person who says that on a ride along. And, and you tell me how to go capture that person. They've got five percent window tint on their car. They took the plates off the car yeah. or the car stolen. So we already know who owns it. Yeah. Um, and they just grabbed all the merchandise they could at Marshall's and they got into their stolen car and drove away and they got a covid mask on. So if you can explain to me where the resources are and where the where the clues are to identify that person, 
You know, we, we can't treat every single auto theft fleeing suspect as a, as a homicide investigation where we, where we donate, you know, three detectives to the case and identify that person and do geofence warrants and we, we, the resources aren't there. So, um, you know, I'm a huge proponent of car chases. I chased a lot of cars um, as in my time as a deputy sheriff, but I also terminated a lot of pursuits. I canceled a lot of them that were just like, this is a stolen car and it's two o'clock in the day on Martin way. Like it's just not worth it. Um, the discretion, the, the, the two best people in the entire planet to determine when and where a police pursuit should, should take place is the deputy who's pursuing the vehicle and the on duty Sergeant. Those are the two people, like even as the sheriff, that's not really my place. Yeah. Um, it is the on duty Sergeant and the deputy who are sharing information back and forth about the location, the speeds, the roadway conditions, the traffic, um, the, the severity of the crime, those are the two people on this planet that should have a say in whether or not a car is chased. I've chased no turn signals all the way into Tacoma because it was two o'clock in the morning yeah. and I've terminated on robbery suspects because it was in downtown Olympia. Um, it's just, it's about giving that discretion back. What's killing us as a state right now is the, is the flat out fact that criminals know that there will not be a chase no matter what. Yep. That is what has increased the, the, the likelihood of cars taking off from yeah, us. You, you just can't tell the crooks ahead of time, give them an entire list of crimes that we cannot chase them <laughs> right. for. And then people are shocked when crime goes right. up. This is just I, a checklist. Well, if it's just a shoplift I, and it's a stolen car, I mean, you can't chase me. At, you know, and now we're seeing that. Yeah. I, and I, what I tell people all the time is I get that question a lot in the community is I like, you don't need to be a police executive or an elected sheriff to figure some of this stuff out. You don't, you just don't No. I mean, some of it's common sense stuff. On my fourth day in office, um, I was just, you know, doing my little administrative tasks in my class, a uniform and, uh, Tom water had a disturbance with a stolen vehicle and a possible kidnapping. And then I went downtown Olympia and there was a car that this car is driving the wrong way through a roundabout. And so I'm like, well, we're going to pursue this thing for a DUI. Um, cause no one's even chasing him at this point. He's just driving really poorly. Um, and as, as he passed me, he actually stopped and rolled the window down and said, you can't chase me and flip me off and got on the freeway. Oh my gosh. Um, like that's the kind of like, that's the brazen mentality that we're dealing with. It's, it's very, it's a very emboldened state for criminals. And so you know, needless to say, we, we pursued him and caught him, but like that, it, there are situations where that's occurring and we're like, well, you're right. Turn the lights off and drive the other yeah. way. And then, you know, we get calls from people all the time. Like, you guys aren't going to do anything about this? And I'm like, well, here's the RCW. Yeah, exactly. And people's jaw hit the floor when you tell them some mm -hmm. of the stuff that's passed. They just, some people in our community just still don't know, right? right. People are busy with their families, raising kids, going to sports. Yeah, they don't that, have time. They don't pay attention to this stuff day no. in and day out. Until they become a victim and they want to, now they're interested. Now yeah. their attention is here. Like, what are you doing about my stolen car? While yeah. we're waving to it as it drives by. I think people have had it, though. I, I do. I don't I, care what county you're in. I think I people think so have too. had it. I yeah. think so too. We need a balanced pursuit law, just right? Like it just needs to be balanced. Like this isn't a cowboy state. Nope. We're not going out and doing cowboy stuff, but it, there definitely needs to be some balance yeah. to it. All right. So accountability. Um, I talk about it a lot up here, booking people. That's what we do. That's kind of our business day in and day out. Um, early on in my administration, it was kind of unpopular 2020, 2021 to talk about that. I kind of stayed true. That's kind of one of the things I ran on back in 2019. So then I'm running this year and I'm talking about the jail way more than I ever thought I would be. But I'm proud of what we've been able to do in Snohomish County. We've kept our jail open for the most part, other than the initial stages of COVID. Um, but talk about what Thurston County is going through with uh, jail restrictions. I mean, we, we say it because we, we live and breathe this stuff every single day. But explain it to like the community about 
what's that? What's that mean? Can you book anyone you want in the Snohomish County, or I'm sorry, Thurston County Jail if they've committed a crime? What's going on with that? No. So in uh, 2020, COVID hit and no one knew what was going on. And and so our jail um, is actually a relatively newer jail and it's an open dorm style jail. So um, the kind of the model is that one corrections deputy sits in a dorm that's got anywhere from 40 to, you know, yeah. 60 people or so. And there's direct supervision, which is great. I, it, we have natural sunlight in the jail. Like it, it isn't just a, a clinking shut, you know, old school jail where we just leave people in cells. Um, that being said, it was about the worst design in the world for COVID, right? Instead of having individual cells for people to stay in, now you've got 40 to 60 people in a room all breathing on each other. Yeah. Um, so what ended up happening is our public health officer came down and said, listen, we're going to tell you who you can and can't book. That's not their job. Um, but we're going to tell you how many people can be in your jail at one time. We're also going to tell you how many people can come into the jail and how long they have to be quarantined for. So the problem that we have at Thurston County Jail is a lack of individual cells. And as a result, we can only take so many people in at one time and they have to have a 72 hour mandatory quarantine period. They get COVID tested 72 hours, then they go into the dorm. A couple issues with that. Most of the people that get booked in the jail don't stay. Right. So you have a very small area to actually take people and get them through the process, a DUI, right? They're going to get out the next day and have their court appearances later, but you've got to store that person somewhere for the, the 18 hours that they're waiting. Well, now that's taking up a spot for someone who might stay in the jail for a little bit longer, a robbery suspect who's going to have bail. Um, they're all falling into the same 10 cells or whatever it is, oh, you wow. know. That, and yeah. so the issue that we're having is that is we have that mandatory minimum and we also have a maximum capacity at how many people we can have in these dorms. So what we had to do, what the prior administration had to do, was go through and, and draw a line somewhere and say everything below this line, not a bookable offense now. It's just a referral. You're talking about burglary not being a bookable offense in Thurston County Jail up until um, last year, residential burglary was allowed. And then up until when I became elected, burglary second degree is yeah. now a bookable offense. I was like, we have to get that on there. Um, you've got auto theft warrants. Like warrants are basically completely off the table. So um, the amount of warrants that are just running around in Thurston County right now, we stop them on traffic stops if they pull over. And they're like, I already know my, my warrant's not bookable. So why are you stopping me kind of thing? Brazen. Um, it's absolutely you know, brazen. and you're just like, and this is an auto theft warrant. Yeah. And the guy's got a car that's got no plates on it. And the VIN isn't coming back stolen yet. Right. And you're just like, this is crazy. It's just, it's crazy. I remember when I was in during COVID, I, I, I interrupted and located a burglary two on a power station, a PSE substation. And we identified him and let him go. And then the same night he burglarized a second one. And you're like, what are we doing? And so... Um, that's where we're currently at now. The state has come down and said that on April 2nd, they're dropping the mask thing for congregate care facilities, which is what our, our jail falls under. So I have a conversation with Dr. A, but one of the things that we're, we're looking at doing now, um, at least for the misdemeanor crimes, because those all have bail is we're, we're trying to do an administrative booking thing for the deputies, um, where they would basically find someone who's committed misdemeanor crimes that needs to go to jail that historically we've just moved along and actually take them to the jail, send them through the booking They'll write a referral and the jail will fingerprint and photograph that person and then kick them out the door. So at least we're removing them from that problem. And we're also getting them fingerprinted so that those arrests and those bookings show up on a triple I because someone in Thurston County might be contacted 15 times for disorderly conduct and property damage and theft. We're not booking them. We're just referring them. And then they come up to Snohomish County and one of your deputies might run that person and then they're, they're looking at the triple I and it shows they've got no arrests, no mm. law enforcement contacts, and they've been an upstanding citizen. We're like, uh, not, not quite. We've, we've contacted them 15 times. Um, so your theft is 16. 
that's the kind of stuff that needs to be documented. So we're working on that process. It's almost done, actually. So Very we're good. just trying to make some progress here so that even if the jail continues to go down, it's it's path of restrictive restrictiveness that we have an alternative option. So. Yeah, jails get complicated really quick. They do, especially when you throw in a pandemic. And there's liability in it, right? Like, I don't Every want anyone day. to. I don't want anyone to die of COVID in my jail at the same time. So yeah. it's not. It's not like I'm just disregarding the fact that there was a pandemic and whatnot. So, no, I think we've handled it fairly well considering all the circumstances the last three years. Yeah, I mean, as best you can, right? Like, yeah. it, it was a huge obstacle to overcome. Yeah, and you mentioned that burglary case with the PSE substation or, or yeah. whatever it was. The impacts, like, was that your case that you handled? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I got to relate to the community how impactful that is. Because you get into this profession, you want to help people. Yeah. You want to do what's right. You know, you want to yeah. treat people right. That's always been super mm-hmm. important to me. Right. But when you catch a burglary suspect, it's like, there should be some accountability with that. Right. And when there's not, and you do catch that person, yeah. and then you have to say, well, I don't have a jail to take you to. We're going to have to let you go. Yeah, That's potential, like, career-impacting stuff, in my opinion. I agree. It is. Yeah. Well, and, and not long after that, I applied with Pierce County Oh, because yeah. I'm just like, I'm I done. I'm done. Yeah. I actually applied, got all the way to a, basically a conditional offer. Um, and then, and then pulled out cause it's hard to lateral, right? You're like, Oh, my friends are here. I live here. Um, but you know, the other struggle that we're working with is all the cities in our area contract with the Nisqually tribal jail Oh, and the Nisqually tribal jail is a sovereign entity. And they're like, we're open. So on top <laughs> of the pay discrepancy that I have with my deputies in the cities, you can go to Lacey where there's better staffing. They get paid about six. Uh, now they get paid about $2,000 more a month, um, which I mean, that's a decent amount of like, that's a second house. If, oh, if you're real, really looking at it, money. right. Yeah. And, and they can take people to jail. Yeah. I mean, at some point, like, where do I compete with this? Yeah. Take home car. Got good benefits, <laughs> right? I got a great culture for you, yeah. right? I, I want you. Are, I want you to work for me. <laughs> we know? are having the same conversations, yeah. man. So, so let's dive into that a little bit about so the whole recruitment and retention issues. Yeah. I think everybody's faced it, no matter what jurisdiction you yeah. might be in. We're yeah. still facing it up here, and for sheriff's office, it's a, a little bit unique. Is is we're over eight hundred employees, but um, our largest bureau is corrections. So corrections deputies, civilian staff. People don't realize we hire medical professionals. We have a full-time physician that works in our jail. First time we've been able to hire one. Um, but it's tough because typically when you work for county government, you're not going to make as much as you, you can go out in the private sector, especially in like the medical profession, you know? And so it is very hard. And then you throw in, you know, the, the police work. And I think you mentioned when we were talking before cities, just generally in the state of Washington to make quite a bit more money. Than, than a deputy sheriff. We can try to sell our culture all right. day long, but that only goes so far when you try to feed a family and raise a right. family in expensive Western Washington. You know, yeah. what, what's some things you guys are doing in Thurston County for recruitment and retention and how are you doing with staffing? Well, and just to touch on that too, like you guys are right here with Everett yeah, and Everett's a, a shining example. Like police work in this state since the laws have changed has turned into almost like a mercenary type work. Like who can offer, it's a bidding war. Who can offer the fattest signing bonus with, you know, the moving, the moving bonus mm-hmm. and the biggest, most inflated salary possible in the county, like we're falling behind bad. And, mm-hmm. and we go into contract negotiations, right? Lacey just got 10% for the fourth straight year. So they're at a 40, I think they're at 40% over four years, somewhere in there. Wow. Um, we get, you know, they offer, they're like 1.9. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. what are we supposed to do with this? Right. Um, you know, inflation's like 8%. So minus six, thank you. Um, (laughs) but there's a finite amount of money. So for me, um, some of the things that that I'm trying to do is just, I'm trying to set ourselves apart in, in ways that aren't necessarily just financial. Um, so 
at the jail, right? Like allowing them to have load bearing vests um, that are more comfortable, allowing them to wear drop leg holsters and have tennis shoes instead of boots. So we're, we're trying to change some of the uniform stuff um, at the jail. Um, we're also trying to get a narcotics dog potentially assigned to the correction side instead of patrol because historically all the cool stuff goes to patrol. Yeah. And then what we have is we have an internal transfer. So if you get hired as a corrections deputy, you don't have to retest. Um, once you're off of probation, basically, you can just do an internal transfer and come over as a civil service position. Um, and as long as you, you know, you have to do like a physical test so that we rank you, but you you do another background and you're in. So um, really trying to find, can we get the dive team? Um, can we get some corrections deputies on the dive team? Can we get some corrections deputies as to be crisis negotiators who go out with the SWAT team? Uh, but then they can also utilize that skill in the jail when you got someone holed up in a cell that is totally having a mental crisis. Um, so we've done some of that stuff. And then on the patrol side, we're trying to do like a build your patrol car program um, where instead of just assigning people generic cars, we'll offer them either um, an Explorer or a Tahoe and yeah. then go down and they can within the budget, they can configure their own cars um, from the county shops. You know, do you want a better light package or would you prefer to have an in-car radar or whatever it is? Um, so allowing deputies to have more control over and, and really build their car to be the kind of deputy that they want to be on the road. So that's something that we're looking at doing. Um, but, you know, it all, a lot of it comes down to that's still going to cost money. And so you got to go to county commissioners and have that conversation. Um, but a lot of it has been just going to these these meetings, you know, support services and negotiations and, and, and hearing their complaints. And, you know, for us, like if it's financially possible, it's moral and ethical and it benefits both the public and the employees. The answer is generally yes. Um, and that's what they found. Like they come to it an, and I'm like, yes, do it. But that's that's not the norm, though. What I have found through my experiences yeah. in Snohomish County like that is the exception to the rule mm -hmm. where you're a new sheriff, you come in and you're like, that makes no sense. Can we change that? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Well, why'd you ever say no in the first place? Right. And things like load bearing vest, changing boots. We've kind of done some of that same stuff. Yeah. We did beers, yeah. which yeah. I'm like, why not? As long as you I look know. professional, I care more about how people treat people out on the road Correct. than anything else. Right. If someone wants to wear a beard in police work, so be it. But that's not a popular opinion in some circles. Yeah, some circles, but I don't. You know, a lot of the people that complain about beards and, and load-bearing vests and, and uniforms, they were never going to like me to begin with. Okay. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's tough to say, but these are the same people that, you know, they call and they're like, your deputy's going one mile and over the speed limit. Oh, and yeah. you're like, okay, uh, you know, your deputy wrote me a ticket, you know. Okay, well, how fast are we going? Well, I was going 70 and a 40, but, like, Where's the break? You know, and yeah. so there's a lot of people that are just they they're they're going to be negative, and we we see it anyways. But what I'm really trying to focus on are the people that need our help, um, and the majority of society I think does appreciate what we do, yep. so long as we're doing what we should be doing. Um, and you know, really, like my opinion is that deputies could show up in pink Barney suits, as long as they're handling the problems. People genuinely don't really care. Yeah. Like they want their problems solved. Like they might like eye you for a second and be like, that's kind of goofy. But anyways, <laughs> I got a trespasser on my property. Can you right, yeah. like, I'm going to videotape this if Barney tackles him, right? Yeah. Like they just want their problems solved. And so um, that's been my big focus is how can I, how can I tool, how can I give our deputies tools that are going to solve people's problems? And so, um, you know, revamping our training has been a big thing too. Like, we have overlap. We have the opportunity to train patrol 26 times a year with 13 overlaps for each each training. And last year we trained twice. Mm. And and it's not a financial thing. Like we have a training budget. You know, the, the, it's not an overtime issue. Like we just weren't training. So we've come. We're going on JBLM property now to do active shooter training. 
Um, we're doing all sorts of stuff. And we're really also trying to expand the training beyond like the traditional disciplines. Um, I'm trying to get a professor from like South Puget Sound Community College to give a two hour block on improving report writing. It's huge. Um, just things like that. Um, we've really been doing a lot with mental health as well. So we've got a, a peer support person, like a fully embedded peer support person. And she's actually part of our, she's a civilian on our, our crisis negotiation team. So she can go out on SWAT calls and stuff and, and like negotiate and, and really try to reach people. Um, so that's been, and kind of the transition, that's also been another thing that we talk about with the retention. And, and I think right now everyone is experiencing problems getting corrections and, um, and commissioned yeah. deputies like that's that's not unique to anyone so my position coming in has been to look at our department across the board and really find inefficiencies where we have either commissioned deputies or commissioned detectives doing work that a civilian could do um, because there's a huge price tag and there's a huge training tag that goes along with a badge and a gun and there's a lot of work that we're doing like for instance we're one of the only ones that I know of still in our area that have commissioned detectives doing evidence work and when I ask why, there's not really, I mean, do you guys do traffic stops? Are you guys making arrests? I mean, what, what about this job? And, and so one of the things that I'm proposing to the county commissioners is to fund an evidence technician that is a civilian position. And my plan then is to embed that into the detective division. We've got two of them. A detective and a civilian will work alongside each other for the next two years until we get a second one to replace yeah. that one. And that detective will get bumped back into our general detectives and be a full-time missing person cold case detective because no one's working those cases right now. When you have no detectives to work cases or they're, they're completely stacked, the ones that go first are the ones that are, are cold cases and missing persons, unfortunately. Yeah. And it has to get addressed. So, Yeah, yeah that, that's interesting. We had a similar – I was asked in 2020 in front of the council here – and the, almost the exact same thing. Do you need a badge and a gun to go to everything that you go to? And I had to think about it for a second before I <laughs> answered, because I'm, I'm like the super yeah. pro cop, pro law enforcement, pro public safety. Yes. But I had to give them an honest answer. I'm like, you're no, we don't. Correct. And so the, the year after that, we funded, we did a little bit different. Um, and I want to be careful with labor here because they, they yeah. watch this stuff really close. Yeah. But we did crime prevention officers, which are, they're not doing deputy sheriff work, but yeah. they are doing some work that can really just kind of make their lives a little bit easier. And the, the feedback from the community and the business owners has just been outstanding. I can't send a deputy sheriff with a badge and a gun to all these businesses to talk about crime prevention. There is no way we nope. can do that in Snohomish County. Nope. Like it's a flat no. But these crime prevention officers do. That's awesome. And we only got three of them for a large county, and they're they're already they're they're several months in, but they're overworked. But I think we as sheriffs, we've got to be looking at unique solutions to some of this 100%. stuff. And the answer is still no. Three years later, you don't need a badge and a gun to Correct. go to everything that we do. Correct. Create some uncomfortable conversations for us sometimes, right? But it's just how it is. I mean, you just look at it, and like another thing we're doing, right, is. Um, the academy back updates, oh, right? Goodness. Like here we go. It, it takes a long time to get people into the academy, and when I walk through the offices, we've got deputy uh, deputy recruits who haven't been in the academy that are reading policy. I'm like, what a waste! What a waste of time. So now we're giving them a week of training, and there are CSOs now. So they oh. go out and and they get a little bit of DT training, they get some driving training, um, they get some procedural training, and we're shipping them out to go do transports for our deputies to and from the jail. Like that's just wasted, inefficient time for them to just sit and read. They're going to read that policy and they'll go to the academy and forget everything they read because now they're learning. They're learning everything about the job, oh, right? Man, yeah. And it's so that's a waste of time. That's for, for them and their FTO when they get out. 
in the beginning though, like we're especially we have jail transfers coming over waiting for academy. Like talk about a perfect candidate to go do transports for for the deputies as someone who's in the jail who did transports, right? So that's what we're doing with them, and we're really just trying to tighten down on the inefficiencies of do we have people just sitting around doing nothing because we're all overworked. Yeah. Uh, like the staffing levels aren't there. So how can we reduce that workload and, and spread it more evenly amongst current employees? Everybody's um, at capacity right now. Yeah. Everybody is. Yeah. We have those same conversations. We're not quite as far along as you. We haven't been able to pull that off yet. Yeah. But uh, it's hard because uh, the, the backup with the academy, right? And the academy is what, five months now, I think. And yeah. so, and we do a pre and post academy. Right. We just feel like we have to we in this too. day and age. We do too. Um, I wish the answer was no. And I wish as the sheriff, I could just say, no, we need them on this. But we have to. We have right. to train our people right. But yeah. the academy stuff, it's real right now. Mm-hmm. It is, it's usually a several month backup. Mm-hmm. Well, well, every now and then we'll get lucky and a, a spot will come bump open. Up. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. We do, we do that. Um, but it is what I have found just over a year between when we hire yeah. and when that person is actually able to be in a patrol call by themselves oh, yeah. on the street. 12 months to 18 months sometimes yeah. anywhere in there yeah. uh, at a minimum. Yeah, but you throw in the recruitment and retention stuff from the last three years. We don't. We can't make that up overnight. It, you can't make it up. It's not quick. You can't make it up. I mean, you know, in January for us, the first the first month I'm in office, I get the report that 35 out of 59 patrol deputies work 1,200 hours of overtime, Holy and I'm like, not sustainable. Not sustainable so I got with the guild and I said, listen, um, for the deputies, as long as their training is up to date and their calls are handled, they get one hour of on duty workout time or school work time. Um, because when I was a deputy working those 16 hour shifts, like physical fitness is important to me. I, I yeah. need to be able to jump over a fence and, and go help someone or chase yep. someone. And I'm like, when am I supposed to get a workout in? I just worked five 16 hour shifts in a row. You know, I just spent five days sitting in my patrol car, you know, vegging out on Red yeah. Bull and chips, right? Like when am I supposed <laughs> to actually go get a workout in? So I got with them and, and that's almost done now too. So, and, and we're trying to get it for corrections, a little more challenging. They don't have a gym in their facility, but we're, we're trying to find things to improve that work-life balance because the same thing that's hurting you, which is the staffing, is also causing the employees that do stay to have increased burnout because they're working longer hours, yeah. they're getting less time off. Um, and then, you know, the agencies that are doing better, right? Some of the cities, they continue to benefit and just continue to benefit, right? Like these deputies are eyeing a huge pay increase and they're eyeing, well, I can get a day off and my backup's closer. It's hard. Yeah. The arguments are real. It's funny you mentioned, I didn't know you did the workout on duty thing. We, yeah. <laughs> for, Two years, I, I, put, I was really important to me. I really wanted to bring that to the sheriff's office. My mm-hmm. whole thing was I've watched decade, for decades fire, firefighters be able to do that all the time. Why can't the Why police, can't we? right? Why can't and we? And I mean, you're not going to get to do it every day. There's some you're days not. that are just too busy. Correct. And so finally, the, the, actually the undersheriff uh, in December of 22, um, I, again, I came to command staff. I said, this has been on my desk for two years. I want this to happen. And it was always like, it's just not time, too much going on. Yeah. And I respected the opinion of command staff. Finally, the undersheriff has just announced it in January at supervisor training. And yeah. the consensus with command staff was, is we can't let perfection stand in the way of progress. There's always going to be questions. Yep. It's like, well, this work group gets to it and then this other one doesn't. So oh, yeah. I just, I actually, I stole one of your, your video messages that you've been doing. The, the public <laughs> one, that was awesome, yeah. by the way. Thank you. And I just laid it out. I go, this is what we're doing. It's effective this day. Yeah. It's not perfect, but man, we're moving forward. And and so we're still working through some bumps in that, but we did that. You too. have to. Yeah. And you know, most employees, or at least when, when I was, when I was in office and, or when I was, when I was a deputy before I got in office, like when I looked up, as long as I saw, as long as I saw like an attempt, I was okay. Yeah. Right. Like they're trying to make this better, right? It's not perfect, but they're trying. 
Um, it was when I felt that there was no action and we'd given up that that's when people start leaving. That's when people start seeking mm. better leadership, better paying jobs and stuff like that. Um, so for me, right, like it's not perfect. And I understand that like, they're not going to be able to like some, some bureaus aren't going to be able to have that opportunity. And in each bureau kind of has its own unique advantages and disadvantages, but we just had to do something like if we're, if we just accept that deputy burnout is okay, then they're going to burn out and leave. Yeah. Um, so we had to try and do something. And, and for me, that was one hour of on-duty workout or schoolwork time. And, you know, why wouldn't the public want a fit, educated police force? Yeah, I think it benefits everybody. It does. It, it yeah. benefits everyone. And it's not co- it's, it's not costing us anything, right? It's, it's an hour of downtime um, for them to go, right? Like, I think they also want deputies who are, are mentally fit, right? Because exercise, endorphins, all those things come together. Um, so it was a no-brainer for us. Yeah. Um, just trying, and we're, we're not done. We're, we're continuing to try and find work-life balance things that we can improve because the pay is just, isn't there. So if the pay is not there, then what else is there? Because the last thing that I'll ever do is come to someone and be like, there's just nothing we can do. Yeah. I just, I can't accept that answer. Yeah. Good. Under any circumstances. Good. So, um, so we hadn't had a chance to really talk about this, but you mentioned fentanyl when we were talking just yeah. a little bit, a little bit ago. Um, what are you seeing down in Thurston County? We're really trying hard up here in Snohomish County. Um, the overdoses are just tragic. They're just mm-hmm. tragic. It seems to be never ending. Yeah. Um, it's different. Like I, I grew up in the meth craze, you know, yeah. in, in the two thousands and things like that. And then it kind of switched to heroin. Yep. That was bad. Never seen anything like fentanyl. What, what are you seeing down there? And, and what do you think from your experience? It's just, it's a man. It can, it grabs you. It's much more uh, serious. We're seeing like multiple multiple narcan doses is to bring people back from fentanyl it's so strong what are you guys experiencing um so with heroin it was it was interesting you know as a deputy i had i think 10 revives on heroin i narcan 10 people they all came back um with fentanyl 50 50 wow maybe maybe 50 50 and and the people that are surviving were narcanning five to ten times um to try, try and bring them back and you know half of them are ending up on a ventilator anyways um and thurston county fentanyl was a leading cause of death Last year, 153 overdoses um, that are all all basically traced back to to fentanyl. Um, We're seeing overdoses in our jail. Um, You know, long before we had any deaths, I was asking to try and get a a narcotics dog on board. And the next thing you know, we get hit with two two fentanyl deaths in our jail that are being investigated. We immediately step back and we wanted an independent investigation. So we've got two for each overdose. We have two different agencies so that we're all coming to the same non-biased, conflict of interest free answer right how's it getting in the jail and how can we prevent it the problem that we're seeing with with the fentanyl is just how little it takes to kill Mm -hmm. someone Uh, back in the day right we have a big old body scanner you know at the jail and you know back in the day in order for someone to get a lethal dose of heroin into the jail you'd be looking for a golf ball you're gonna see it yeah (laughs) right Mm -hmm. you're like what is that um now you're looking for a piece of rice Mm -hmm. and and what does that show up in in an x-ray in a body scanner it nothing and so um it's just it's a challenge that what what concerns me the most right is like in my opinion i've surrounded myself with like true experts in all their fields Mm. from corrections to support to patrol and everything in between and when you get a lot of really smart people together and they're scratching their heads like that's where you're like that's not good right because most of the time we're like oh we can solve that we'll we'll do this we'll move this around um when people start scratching their heads and that's where we are with fentanyl um is just it's so deadly, it's so potent, and it's so small, and and it's just it's killing everyone. And and the mentality I think is what we're struggling with. Like at the jail, for instance, right? Comments made by the inmates are they'll see they'll see someone overdose and essentially die, and they'll be like, "I want whatever he's got." 
Jeez. And you're like, how do you combat that? Right? Yeah. Like there's a mentality there of like, they want to chase that dragon all the way to the edge and then be revived back because that's the, Oof. that's the best high. And you're like this Narcan stuff. It's not working, man. Like it's not heroin. This isn't heroin where you can, you can ride it all the way to the end and we'll bring you back every time. Um, and so that's the, that's kind of the tough thing that we're dealing with is a mentality yeah. of like, that's the good stuff. Yeah. I'm like, they're dying. What do you mean? That's the good stuff. And so we're trying to work with like our opioid task force, um, to get a campaign out there about the ineffectiveness of Narcan on fit. Wow. We're trying to do that because I, I think that there's a, a misconception amongst drug users, maybe a little bit that like, well, just Narcan. Um, you know, we went into a, t you've gone into plenty of drug houses, you know, most of the drug houses that we served raids on or whatever, they had Narcan stations in them. Wow. Right. So you'd have two little recliners with all the drug paraphernalia and in between it, you had like a little Narcan dispenser. Um, in most of the drug houses I went into and, and it's not working anymore. Like they're just Narcan and not bringing these people back. Yeah. So the fentanyl thing, you know, it's, it's just so much more than Snohomish or Thurston County. Right. Yep. And it's more than the state of Washington. Absolutely. It's, it's truly it's a nationwide. federal, it's a federal issue about how it's getting in. Cause it's not, it's not internally manufactured in our yep. country. So, that's right. um, you know, that's a, that's a bigger conversation, but we're still doing everything we can. One thing that we've also done is our narcotics detectives, which that's a whole other issue, right? Fentanyl's leading cause of death. Thurston County has a narcotics task force. We're the only ones on it. All the city's backed out. Staffing again. Yeah. So we're the only ones contributing right now. Now, granted, Olympia has started donating a detective part-time, which is great. But we spend most of our time in the cities. Mm. We spend most of our time in the cities battling fentanyl dealers because they don't deal with with users they're going after big seizures um but we don't have the staffing to actually deal with that stuff so that's another issue but you you're talking with them and one of the things that they're doing is they've actually created a checklist for patrol and almost like an odd like a almost like a threat assessment they're going through the checklist and if it totals out then the narcotics detective will actually be mandatorily called out and they'll do a controlled substance homicide case on the overdose oh um, interesting so we started to build that because we're like the only thing we can think to do now is try to tie the dealers to the overdoses and go after them for the specific homicides um, and you know the thought process is if you can get enough dealers in jail for not just dealing because they don't really care about that yep. if you can get them in for a homicide maybe we change the the atmosphere around dealing fentanyl. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, different note, uh, kind of as we start to wrap up here, but I want to talk about something positive, uh, in, in my opinion, and, and sometimes that's hard in our profession. Um, I always try to be an optimist and everything <laughs> yeah, right? I try to, um, but I think things are looking up as far as most of the stuff we talked about. We got a long ways to go with fentanyl, but recruitment and retention, yeah. I hope is looking up in the state of Washington from so. my initial uh, observations of the first couple months. I think, I think we're getting there. We've got a long ways to go in Snohomish County. Yeah. And like we talked about with the delays in the Academy and how long it takes to train a police officer, deputy yeah. sheriff in these days, it's going to be the long term for certain. But um, one thing we've enjoyed in Snohomish County, you probably do in Thurston County too, is that uh, people are generally very supportive of the police up here. Yeah. And that really has kind of kept us all going up here for the last three years. But kind of what do you see the future? I know they're in session right now, and, and we're not quite sure what they're going to come up with because they're battling two huge things that impact us daily pursuits and drugs. Yeah. What are they going to do in the state of Washington? Um, I hope they make some some clear-headed decisions down there. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but what what do you think? Are things looking up down there in Thurston County, or or what's your take on that? I think so. Um, most of the issues coming back to our department can all be related back to staffing, right? Okay. I mean, I've got 35 out of 59 patrol deputies. I've got 70 out of 91 corrections deputies, and we want to do more. We want to do all yeah. these cool things, and I'm like, emergencies first. So 
the staffing thing has been kind of interesting. So when I got elected, um, we we had one recruiter for the entire department. She was in corrections. So we added a patrol recruiter yeah. to work alongside them. We've wrapped their vehicles and like military appreciation support. We added QR codes to the cars so people can drive by and scan it and it takes them to an application. We're doing all these different things. Um, we went from one background investigator to four. Um, so we had a bottleneck with backgrounds. And so as a result now, we're down to one patrol vacancy, I believe, as of yesterday. So those those aren't bodies actually helping patrol. So it's not the actual number that I count. I count the 35 out of 59 or 37 okay. now. Um, but we are down to one patrol vacancy. Now we got to get them off to the academy. We have a lot of people coming out on FTO right now. So when you when you look at the form for us, you can project out and see like things are, are going to progressively get better. Yeah. Um, the big thing for me hasn't been so much recruiting. It's been retention. You can hire as many people as you want. If you hire one and three go out the back door, yep. you've done nothing to improve the, the quality of life for your employees. So um, I just think that the legislative session has given people hope. I think that um, there's been, you know, a third of the sheriffs got got rotated out la was, this last election. Yeah. So you have a lot of new blood in these sheriff's offices um, leading the offices. And I think that that's probably going to improve things, right? Like. Just after a while, things get stale and, and they get they get shifted around and people get excited. I get a lot of messages on my social media. They're like, I'm applying, right? Like, I'm excited. I love what you do and I love following along. Um, and I think a big thing for me that kind of projects out the success of Thurston County is transparency from our, our department. Um, we have done a complete 180 when it comes to transparency. That was one of the issues that I ran on. I felt like our sheriff's office covered a lot of things up and, and it was a no bad press ever kind of thing. And that's just not life. It's and not I think life. Not people all. look at that as a fake sheriff's office, yeah. right? When the only thing that ever comes out is the good stuff, you're like, really? It's all, it's all roses? I don't think so. You know, police work's dirty. Mm -hmm. um, and it just is. It's a dirty job. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of carnage. There's a lot of mental and physical stress. There's all these different things, and we try to make it positive. Um, but there's just a lot of negativity with it. And so one of the things that I've I've really focused on is is just sharing all of it. Yeah. And and people love it, and they hate it at the same time, right? They they like it, and they're also like, too much information. And I'm like, well, but that's, that's part of it. If you want to come on the journey – Right. You can close your eyes, but you're probably still going to hear about it. And so um, I think that's been a big thing for us is is disclosing employee misconduct, um, disclosing the bad stuff, the fentanyl overdoses in the jail, um, all these different things that are going on that aren't good. Um, they're just not good. They don't make our they don't make our office look good. But in a roundabout way, at least we're being honest about it, and open and like, hey, like and, and we don't we don't just disclose bad news. We don't, we don't, we, yeah. we disclose bad news with what we're going to change, what we're going to try differently. And you know what? In two months, we might come back and say that didn't work either. You gotta be willing to try though. We have to try. And, and then we also have the good stuff, right? And so yeah, there's a mixture there. Yeah. So I'll give you a little bit of a compliment here. Cause I agree with all, everything you just said is, is spot on. And again, such similar conversations between the, the, the two agencies. Um, and I think people are craving transparency, both yeah. the good and the bad. And I think we're obligated to do it as elected officials. Um, but I think there's something else that people are craving, whether it's a, a police executive and they're an appointed police chief or uh, uh, an elected sheriff, is they want authentic people. Mm -hmm. Are you being real? Are, are you being truthful with me, right? Yeah. And uh, I watch all your social media stuff, man. You're doing a fantastic job. And if anything I can say about you, you are definitely authentic. Well, I appreciate that. Well, and I'm, I'm outspoken, right? And I felt like we had a quiet sheriff and I didn't like that, mm. right? Like things are really bad and they continue to get worse. Look at all this legislation. Why are we being quiet about this? Like there's a narrative being spun about us that is simply not true. And it's been going on for a really long time. 
better part of a decade now. And it's up to us to do one of two things, agree with the narrative and make the changes or tell them why it's wrong. Those are the only two options. And so like, for instance, and I'll, I'll kind of end on this, you know, House Bill 1513 came around and that was the one that said police officers won't do traffic stops for oh equipment violations. You won't do traffic stops for suspended drivers who haven't paid their fines and you won't do traffic stops for misdemeanor warrants that aren't DUI or DV. Oh, and by the way, when you do a traffic stop, you need to sound like a goofball and get on the radio and say, radio, I'm pulling a car over for going 55 and a 30 every single time you do a traffic stop as if we don't have enough radio traffic right. clogging up our stuff already. Um, so I, I made a post about that and I didn't just post that it's a bad bill or anything like that. Cause that's not really my role as the sheriff. My role as the sheriff is to explain to people what potentially could happen and give them examples that they can relate to. Hey, the first section of this, this is what we won't do anymore. The mm -hmm. second section, we won't do this anymore. The third section for warrants. Here's a list of some warrants that we will no longer pull people over for that reached a hundred thousand people. Yeah. Um, and about 25, about 25,000 of them showed they engaged with the post and some, they either shared it, liked it or made a comment or they followed the link and actually made a comment on the bill. That bill's dead now. Um, that's half the battle, yeah. right? I feel like I kind of had some play in like killing that bill yeah. and it was a bill that needed to die. However, there's a second element of that that I think is also my duty. There are two parts of that bill that I completely agree with. One of them was that, um, they did not want, and I, I've always agreed with this. They did not want police officers asking for consent to search when there was no reasonable uh, suspicion of a crime. So they didn't want police officers to stop someone for speeding and immediately go, you know, hey, reason I stopped you for speeding, can I search your car? Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a weird thing, right? Like, if you're, not, if you're not asking to search for some sort of articulable reason, well, a lot of people aren't going to tell the police no. They don't feel comfortable doing that. So sure, yeah. you just had, and I saw it sometimes, and I never liked that. So we're getting ready to make a procedural change that says, unless you have reasonable suspicion or probable cause of a crime or a community caretaking act issue, you won't be allowed to just ask for permission to search. Yeah. The deputies don't really care because they're like, we don't do that. But it's still a procedure that we can show that we're making a change. There are parts of that bill that we agree with. We'll make the change on our own. You don't need to legislate this. Yeah. Um, and the second part of it was that they were going to try to make a grant for people who couldn't afford to maybe replace the headlight on their yeah. bill, right? Like some, some impoverished funding. Um, so the next thing we're doing is once we get our foundation up and running, we're going to hand out $5 AutoZone gift cards to people who appear like they may not be able to afford to, to replace the taillight or the brake light or whatever so that they can go get that stuff done. Because um, the goal isn't to impoverish people further. No, it's not, not to hammer people into the ground with tickets. The goal is public safety. Your brake light needs to be fixed so that people don't crash into you. So those are some things where, like from my perspective, it's, it's holistic, right? It's not just about killing the bill and so that we can so that we can continue to do our jobs. It's also about how do we actually improve this from the top down and take the things that we do like from those bills and show the legislator and all of branch that says good work on this. We still have a lot of issues over here we're not comfortable with, but there's some good things in there that we're gonna do. Yeah, got to do both. Got to do both. Yeah. Man, we'll end on that. That was awesome. Good way to wrap things up. Yeah. So, uh, Sheriff Sanders, thank you so much for coming up here to Snohomish County. Yeah. We appreciate it. Uh, how do people follow you on social media if they want to? Uh, Facebook, right? Sheriff Sanders is, yeah. Okay. Just follow Sheriff Sanders or the Thurston County Sheriff page. Um, we're kind of intertwined. What I do is the Thurston County Sheriff page is more of our official stuff. And on the Sheriff Sanders page, I go into more detail okay. about things, right? So we'll share a policy change. And on my page, I'll go into detail and, and go back and forth with people and give them a Q&A kind of. So. Okay. I'm watching. I'm watching your social I'm media. I'm watching you too. I love yeah. what you're doing down there. Thank Keep you. it up. Anything that the Snohomish County Sheriff's Office can ever do to help Thurston County Sheriff, you just let us know and we'll be there. I appreciate it. All right. Thank, thank, thank you, you so for much, Adam. Up. Yeah.